The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 27th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Nineteen weeks ago, Indy's 2023 season kicked off in festive Dublin, Ireland. Sam Hartman made a strong first impression with four TD passes on day one, and the Irish defeated Navy 42-3. Next up in South Bend, the defense pitched another touchdown shutout with a 58-3 win over Tennessee State. In week three at NC State, a thunderstorm made for a long afternoon, but Audric Estime ripped off an 80-yard TD run, and with a 45-24 win, the Irish were 3-0. Back home for Game 4, Sam Hartman remained in the zone by throwing four more TD passes, and the Irish took out Central Michigan 41-17. In Week 5, the Irish went toe-to-toe with Ohio State, but the Irish fell 17-14 in gut-wrenching fashion. In Week 6, the Irish managed to snatch a win from near-certain defeat with a 10-play, 95-yard drive in the game's last two and a half minutes. ND 21, Duke 14. Next, the Irish traveled to Louisville, and Hartman threw his first interception of the year, and his second, and his third, and the Louisville faithful stormed the field celebrating a 33-20 upset. The Irish were 5-2. Game 8 was back in South Bend against USC. Big plays and big performances ruled the day. Chris Tyree from 48 yards out, a Jadarian Price 99-yard kickoff return, and Xavier Watts was the National Defensive Player of the Week. ND 48, USC 20. In Game 9, down went Pitt, 58-7. Xavier Watts was again National Defensive Player of the Week, and Audric Estime ran for three touchdowns. In Game 10 at Clemson, the Irish offense struggled as Sam Hartman threw two interceptions, and Notre Dame fell to 7-3 with a 31-23 loss. The Irish then got things back on track on Senior Day with a 45-7 win over Wake Forest as Sam Hartman rebounded and tortured his old team with four touchdown passes. For the season finale, Audric Estime had a record-setting night the Irish dismantled Stanford 56-23, and the regular season resume was complete at 9-3. Since then, it's been the coaching carousel, opt-in, opt-out, and transfer portal mania. But now at last, it's getting near time to play some football as the Irish are looking to get to double-digit wins against the Oregon State Beavers in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill now with locations on Illinois, Leo, and DuPont Roads and in Georgetown Square. Guadalupe's food made fresh. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's the next generation of light beer. This is Fighting Irish Preview. 
The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! Flight by Yingling. It's the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Well, Tim Priester transfers in, transfers out, coaching staff changes, NFL opt-outs. It's been non-game related news-a-palooza. And I want to say that since we're recording this show a few days in advance, uh, more things are bound to happen. So some of this information could become dated. But let's talk about that crazy pace of news in the last month. Is this really the new normal for college football? I don't think there's any doubt about it unless, uh, you know, unless the the new uh, the head of the NCAA can get, you know, Congress to, to make some moves. This is the direction we're going to go. And the direction in recent years has been with each passing year, more players are entering, entering the transfer portal. I, I don't see that changing uh, moving forward. Well, the and the opt outs, the opt outs for bowl games and the the that lessens the arguably the impact of bowl games. So I, my question, my next question, Tim, is next year with the expansion to the 12-team uh, playoff, how is that going to impact the bowls? It's going to really lessen their significance, don't you think? Yeah, it's, I think it's just too early to, to speculate too much on that exactly, but it, it, it undoubtedly will impact the bowls. And, you know, if, if um, players were inclined to opt out prior to this, I think anybody that's not one of the 12 participants in the playoffs will, I don't know, find a bowl game even less enticing to play. I, that still has to play out, Phil, but it doesn't, you know, for as someone that, I, you know, I've always cherished the bowl games, um, you know, it doesn't matter to me what the matchup is. I want to I, I want to take a look at it. But I think uh, the whole system is about to change pretty dramatic. It, you know, the 12-team playoff is a dramatic change. There's no reason why the bowl system w- wouldn't uh, wouldn't be dramatically changed as well. Yeah, it, it absolutely is going to be. Uh, it's uncharted territory every year, but next year is going to be even more so with that happening. And I and I take my cue from you, Tim, and because we are 100% in agreement. I love the bowls and. Uh, I even kind of enjoyed uh, the national championship uh, being voted on years ago before we had the BCS and then the, the playoffs. Uh, I didn't think that was all that bad, and the Bulls were king at that time. But, well, things march on. History moves on. Uh, uh, Tim, let's talk about transfers. 13 out as we speak, uh, six in for the Irish. 
the biggest surprises to me and the biggest losses to me were Rico Flores and tight end Holden Stays. Uh, but, you know, when you add in Tobias Merriweather leaving, Chris Tyree, uh, lots of hit in the pass catching department. But with the guys coming in and and how that area looks pretty good for 2024, would you say, the, the receivers and tight end room? How's that going to be in 2024? Yeah, I, I think so, Phil. I think going into preseason practice, it's a stronger group of receivers uh, than, than it was going into this season. Uh, Chris Mitchell from Florida International and Bo Collins from Clemson and with still the possibility of a third receiver being added. And then, you know, you factor in guys like uh, Jaden Greathouse, another year of of growth. Certainly Jaden Thomas. I don't know how he could have a, a, a worse luck year than he had this year. He should be back and healthy. Then, of course, of course Jordan Faison. And then they signed three really good receivers coming in as freshmen. So I think, you know, with Mitchell and Collins in particular and the possibility uh, of a third one, maybe Jeremiah Hunter from California. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a better room moving forward. But in the short term, no Chris Tyree. Um, you know, and no Rico Flores, and that certainly hurts. No doubt. Uh, and Holden stays the tight end. That hurts for the bowl game particularly. But uh, a change at the coaching staff level for the receivers. Chancey Stuckey out. Tim, how much of a surprise was it that Chancey Stuckey was let go? And I think it was a huge surprise. Uh, and then also talk a little bit about uh, the successor, Mike Brown. Uh, well, it was. It was a surprise to us as well. We weren't anticipating that, especially when – you know, we had a we had a uh, Zoom meeting with Marcus Freeman on Monday after the Stanford game, and on Tuesday the change was made. I like Mike Brown a lot. Uh, I don't know. I never did understand the reaction among the fans that there there seems to be an aversion to uh, the head coach hiring somebody he's familiar with. Why in the world wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't you go in? Why wouldn't you hire a, a coach that you know really well and you know what to expect? Uh, Mike Brown's a good coach. He turned out a second round, third round, fourth round draft picks in a two year cycle. And those were three star Cincinnati players. So I think Mike Brown's an upgrade. Chancey Stuckey did fine. I, I, he did a great job of developing Flores and, and great house and Jaden Thomas the year before when he was still healthy and Jordan Faison. So he did a good job, but I think in the long haul, over the long haul, I think Mike Brown's a better football coach. Yeah, and he's certainly more experienced. And and when you talk about the familiarity with other coaches, that coaching staff uh, chemistry is ultra important. And uh, if the head coach is comfortable with the guy, that is super important. So Mike Brown, uh, I, I have high hopes for him and his abilities. All right, uh, the biggest coaching staff news, though, I would say, is of course uh, offensive coordinator Jared Parker. The new head coach at Troy, and and once again, this news may well be dated by the time this airs. But let's let's go there anyway. Who are the likely successors to uh, Jared Parker, and is there some sort of time frame that uh, Marcus Freeman has on this? Yeah, this is either going to be really old news, or I'm going to sound like an idiot. So <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I, I, me too. As I as we sit here right now. Uh, Mike Denbrock is is the odds-on favorite to be the new offensive coordinator. He's been here twice before. As we talked about, Phil, he, he, he didn't leave the, the two previous times of his own volition. He wanted to be at Notre Dame and 
uh, you know, this would this certainly would be a move that clearly indicates he prefers being at at Notre Dame because his job is very secure at LSU, having helped develop the the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one scoring offense in the country and number one total offense uh, offense in the country. But Mike Denbrock is a you know the way I put it, Phil, uh, very high floor, maybe not as high of a ceiling as some because he's a he's an older coach and. Uh, you know, maybe doesn't doesn't have all the bells and whistles of of some of the younger uh, offensive coordinators that, that are that are uh, expanding their game. But he is a he's a quality coach. He's a smart guy. He's a team guy. He's a chemistry guy for the coaching staff and with the players. Um, I think he gives that position a lot of stability, the kind of stability that that Jared Parker wasn't able to provide for Notre Dame. Yeah, and i got to believe that Notre Dame Nation would like the idea of, of, of stealing a guy from Brian Kelly's LSU staff. I just feel that way, and, and I think uh, you understand why. Um, I do. Yeah, absolutely. And Denbrock, obviously, he's been loyal in the past to Brian Kelly because he's been on his staff, but I think he's more. It would seem that apparently he's more loyal to Notre Dame, and that's uh, that says something as well. That makes him a fit. Well, yeah, Phil Brian Kelly fired him. Brian Kelly and Notre Dame fired him after the 2016 season. So loyalty uh, loyalty goes both ways. Well, that's a good point, and and uh, so here we go. All right, NFL bowl game opt out guys: uh, Sam Hartman, Maris Leofau, Cam Hart. Audric Estime, these guys are all going to the NFL and they're not going to play. Joe Alt, Blake Fisher, anything surprising here? I thought Leofile might come back or, or play. <laughs> uh, he's kind of had one foot out the door for a while. Uh, that that one didn't really surprise us. We didn't anticipate Holden stays leaving. We did anticipate Blake Fisher just wanting to move on to the NFL trying to think any, uh, you know, the uh, one disappointing, I, I think Notre Dame certainly hoped that Thomas Harper would play in this bowl game. That's a key loss uh, at, at nickel for the defense. I don't know if, you know, I think I, if if Notre Dame had played in the ReliaQuest Bowl against LSU, I think Sam Hartman would have played that game. I don't know how that would have impacted Estime. It, it might have. Uh, it, it might have impacted. I, it's really hard to speculate about all that, but yeah. pretty sure Hartman would have played had it been a higher-profile game. Had the ACC not conspired against Notre Dame to, to send them to, to El Paso, I think some of those guys might have hung in there and played against a, a team like LSU. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit more about Hartman's decision. You know, considering how much he made in NIL, and I think you might know where I'm going with this, over a million dollars, we've talked about that on the show before. Is there any way those NIL payments can be structured so that players have to play in the bowl game? I, I, I just don't know. That would seem I, to make I don't sense. know that. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but it's a, it's a legal document, which you know all about, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, legal documents can include stipulations like that. Apparently, Sam Hartman's didn't. We actually went under the assumption early on, uh, based upon intel, that that uh, there was a stipulation that in in which he was to play the game. But I, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. Um, it, it's 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 really unfortunate. But hey. What a great opportunity for Steve Angeli. Yeah, that's true. And we're going to talk a little more about him in a minute. J.D. Bertrand and Giovante Jean-Baptiste are going to play, and they are going to be headed to the NFL 
but they did opt in, and that's good news. And also good news about some of the transfers in. We've already mentioned a couple of them. But, Tim, we haven't talked about Riley Leonard, the transfer in from Duke. Uh, A little bit of a different skill set from Sam Hartman. I think this is exciting, though. Talk about – and use Sam Hartman as a comparison as to just what Notre Dame's going to be getting for 2024 in Riley Leonard. Yeah, he's more of a taller version of Ian, Ian Book. I mean, he's a great runner. He's he's a, he's a tremendous runner. Uh, that's a key part of his game. It was not a part of Sam Hartman's. Interestingly enough, the first time we saw Sam Hartman was against Notre Dame at Wake Forest. And one of the things that I was impressed by was that he was a dual threat. He he was willing to take off and and run, but that changed as the as the slow mesh slow mesh offense evolved at Wake Forest and became more of a trigger man. I, I think in order for Sam Hartman to make and stick, uh, make a roster and stick in the NFL, he's going to have to get a lot stronger. He's not a real strong uh, football player. But Riley Leonard is the guy that is a, a dual threat, as I said, taller than Book. There are some questions about accuracy. Um, you know, he, like most quarterbacks, he, he – uh, he hung a bunch of good numbers up against some bad teams. He when, but yet when he was healthy, he threw completed like sixty three percent of his passes in twenty twenty two. He's one of the better quarterbacks that was available. I don't know if he was the best, but he certainly was one of the uh, one of the better ones and a really good fit for Notre Dame. He's a Christian man. Uh, it, it him choosing Notre Dame and Notre Dame choosing. Riley Leonard makes a lot of sense. I really like your description as being a bigger version of Ian Book because that really, frankly, was one of Ian's uh, limiting qualities is that he just wasn't that big. But at 6'4", 220, uh, Riley Leonard's going to be fun to watch, I think. Uh, so, so Tim, <laughs> let's, let's talk about what the Notre Dame offense is going to look like with Hartman opting out. And so we're going to see Steve Angeli. Compare what the offense is going to look like under Steve Angeli as opposed to Sam Hartman. What are, how, how do their skill sets compare? Uh, wow, it's tough to say. We haven't seen enough of Angeli to really know what his skill set is, certainly in game competition. But I do think it's fairly similar. He's more mobile. He's They can do more with him in the running game. You can certainly do more with him in the read option game. Hartman rarely <laughs> – ever kept the football in the read option. So it wasn't much of a element of surprise. Angeli's certainly capable of doing that. So that should give them a little bit more diversity in, in what they can do. But obviously he's not as accomplished and proven as a, as the thrower of the football, but when he threw it outside of his, the last path that he threw during the regular season, when it was intercepted at Stanford, he looked pretty good. Uh, there, there's that one play where he was rolling to his left and threw across his body and threw a dime uh, or in, in September in, in mop-up duty. We're going to see. I, I don't I don't think anybody is in a position to predict exactly how Steve Angeli is going to play, but looking forward to it. And I thought in our dealings with him and leading up to the Sun Bowl, seems like a very confident kid, uh, very open-minded, open-minded, very self-aware of who he is. So it will be interesting to see what he does against Oregon State, which they their pass rushers are intact, 
and Notre Dame's missing their two offensive tackles. So that uh, that could play a factor in how well Angelic plays. Good point. Maybe that mobility will come in handy. Uh, about the same size as Sam Hartman, as you said, Steve Angelic. His statistics on the season, 19-25, 272 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. I think those numbers would be just fine for the Sun Bowl, by the way. Those would be yeah. – uh, yes. if we could lose the interception. But four TDs and one interception, we could live with that. That sounds good. Tim, National Signing Day, December 20th. The Irish signed 23 players and did so without drama. No last-minute flips or recommits or decommits. Uh, the thing that impressed me about this class is that it was pretty balanced and it stayed together. And I know that uh, Marcus Friedman stated that that was the thing that impressed him the most. Uh, what's your general thoughts on the class and who are the top two or three in uh, your book in this class? Yeah, I'm not one to, you know, I've done this 42 years, Phil, and, and a lot of people come out of it and say, oh, they met all their needs and, you know, this guy's going to be great. And that, I, I I put a hold on a lot of those things, but I will say this. I do think the top, I, I will say 10 to 12, uh, definitely 10. I really like those football players. I think that there are a lot of projects in the bottom half of it, not to, not to say that they can't develop, uh, but there's some good athletes there. Generally, when it's a project, it's a guy that's a little bit undersized for his position. Uh, there are a few, few guys like that, but the best of the best, is is Kingston Viliamu uh, Asa, the, the linebacker out of California. He's the real deal. The culture that he comes from, the dedication. I loved it. When he, when he announced on signing day, the first thing he thanked his father for was teaching him accountability. Boy, does our country need a bunch of people with accountability. Uh, it's good to know that KVA has that. I love Gerby Lambert, the offensive tackle. Bryant Young's son, Bryce Young, has a chance to be really good. Uh, three three receivers, two in particular, that are at the forefront in Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert. And then a couple of running backs, the rich get richer at running back. Kedron Young and, uh, and, and Aeneas Williams are really good running backs. So most of the talent is on the offensive side, uh, on the defensive side, head, headlined by KVA and, uh, and Bryce Young. Well, a solid recruiting class for the Irish, and you add in transfers, and the future looks bright. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 395th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sharon McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sharon McCulloch. 
The Fighting Irish Back of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. In Notre Dame's first and only bowl appearance prior to 1970, the four horsemen rode together for the last time, and the Irish defeated Stanford 27-10 in the 1924 Rose Bowl. The win capped off a perfect season, and the Irish were awarded their first ever national championship. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Flight by Yingling is the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The 16th-ranked Irish take on Oregon State in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl this Friday. TV coverage is on CBS, and kickoff is at 2 p.m. South Bend time on Friday, December 29th. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, Vanderbilt, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned... We share your boating passion. This season, we've focused on the best defensive players of the last 20 years. So far this season, we've talked about Harrison Smith, Manti Teo, Jalen Smith, Drew Tranquil, Aloy Gilman, Tavon Coney, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Kyle Hamilton, Isaiah Foskey, Julian Love, Drew White, and this week, the heart and soul of the 1988 National Championship team's defense and a bowl game special group induction into the Fighting Irish Preview Hall of All-Time Irish Heroes, the Three Amigos. Frank Stams, Wes Pritchett, and Michael Stonebreaker. Named after a popular Steve Martin movie at the time, off the field, the Three Amigos ran about almost as a comedy team, but on the field, they were dominant. Stams hailed from Akron, Ohio, and started his career as a fullback, but Lou Holtz moved him over to the defensive side, and he found his home as both a linebacker and pass rusher. Stonebreaker was a Louisiana kid, and considering his last name, how could he not be a great defensive player? He finished 1988 with 104 tackles and was recently elected to the college football Hall of Fame. Wes Pritchett hailed from Atlanta and at 6'6", 251, was a giant of a man in the middle of the Irish defense. He led the 1988 Irish with 112 tackles and is well-remembered for setting the tone of the 1988 National Championship game with his first series bone-crushing hit on West Virginia quarterback Major Harris. Led by the three amigos, Indy's 1988 defense gave up a paltry 12.3 points per game. Tim, it would seem that these guys who who really were close friends had their practical, joking, three amigo reputation kind of enabled by defensive coordinator Barry Alvarez, who had an easygoing coaching style. And apparently one day at practice, you became an accomplice to one of Wes Pritchett's jokes. Uh, yes, I did. Stonebreaker was definitely the straight man, and it was Pritchett and Stamps who were the the comedy team. But yeah, that was back in the day when one, I was a cigar smoker and two, you could smoke cigars at practice. And the play came to my sideline. I had a cigar and Pritchett 
spur of the moment got the idea that he should take my lit cigar and go back into the huddle with helmet on and cigar in mouth and uh, see how Barry Alvarez would react to it. Uh, I, I recently spoke to Alvarez about that. And you know how you, you'll look at somebody and um, you can't believe what you see? Well, that was the look on Alvarez's face as the smoke was billowing out of Wes Pritchett's uh, face mask and the preacher ran over and gave me my cigar back. But that was, that was the three amigos and that, and it was a loose group and Alvarez did coach that way. And that's why to this day, if you talk to Stamps, Pritchett and, and Stonebreaker, they still profess their love for Barry Alvarez. Okay. I, you know, I think one time you told me that the look on Alvarez's face was like he was looking at a Martian or something <laughs> like that. It was so amazing to yeah see smoke billowing out of Pritchett's face mask. And that, was had to be a, a hysterical moment. Uh, all three of the three amigos went on to gain uh, all American recognition, Stonebreaker twice, and they all went on to NFL careers. The three amigos, this week's Marina at Lake Gage all time Irish heroes. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats, and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish Victory. Oregon State is eight and four, they were number 19 in the final CFP ranking. Head coach Jonathan Smith is gone, and receivers coach Kafensa Hinson is the interim head coach. Notre Dame has transfers and opt-outs, and of course, Oregon State has transfers and opt-outs. Included in their losses are their first and second string quarterbacks, two of their top receivers, their top two tacklers, and their kicker. Oh, and their top running back and a couple of offensive linemen are injured. At quarterback, the Beavers will turn to third stringer Ben Gulbertson. He has just one pass attempt this season, but in 2022, he started eight games and led the Beavers to a 10-win season and was named MVP of the Las Vegas Bowl. During that time, he completed 62% of his passes, good for 1,455 yards, nine touchdowns, and five interceptions. With running back Damian Martinez out, the Beavers will turn to sixth-year player Deshaun Fenwick. Fenwick is a bruising 6'2", 222, and has a 5.6-yard per carry average this season on 90 carries with five touchdowns. In his career, he has run for over 2,000 yards. Five foot eight, 157-pound wide receiver Silas Borden has 51 catches for 718 yards and five TDs. He's solid, but the Beavers' next two most productive pass catchers will not play. Wide receiver Anthony Gould has declared for the NFL draft, and tight end Jack Valing is in the transfer portal. Top offensive lineman, uh, right tackle Talese Fuga, has declared for the NFL draft, and State is also battling other injuries on the offensive line. On the year, Oregon State is ranked 27th in scoring at 33.8 points per game. State's defense has been stingy, giving up just 21.5 points per game, and they are 15th best in the country against the pass, yielding just 104 yards per game. They will be without the services of their top two tacklers and a starting corner. The Beavers won eight out of their first nine and had reached number 11 in the CFP rankings, but since then they've dropped three of five and ended the season with two losses. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Well, I think first of all, Phil, you've got to protect Angeli and Nordane missing their two tackles. You know, both these teams, the opt-outs, uh, are, are almost all on the offensive side and very few on the defensive side, which points to a low-scoring game. So, I mean, number one, Nordame has to protect Angeli 
uh, with with their uh, with their young tackles. One of which will be Charles Jagasaw, who essentially hasn't played this year. Uh, so number one, it starts with with Angeli, and then number two, I think you know, although Gold Branson is the guy that's proven that he can throw the football, you you have to stop the running game. And you mentioned the bruising running back in Fenwick. I, I like Nordine's chances against him. I think they can handle him. So I think it starts with protecting Angeli and then stopping the run and forcing Gold Branson uh, to do some things in a passing game that he has he isn't accustomed to at least in twenty twenty three. Uh, protect Steve Angeli and uh, get some pressure on uh, Oregon State's quarterback. Those are Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage keys to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, I think it's got to be – well, it, it certainly uh, Steve Angeli is a key player for Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to track him. But I think even more fascinating is Charles Jagasaw, the, the freshman uh, offensive lineman. He had surgery in the summer – when he when he uh, opened camp, he he was a little bit overweight and a little bit hobbled, but they loved what he did even when he was banged up. Uh, when they started practice for the bowl game, he immediately immediately latched on to that left tackle spot. So I guess I'm going to say Angeli certainly because he's the trigger man, but also Charles Jagasaw in his first career start. Steve Angeli, but let's put in a, a for Charles Jagasaw put in a claim on him as a key player. Uh, Jagas saw the hoped for uh, heir to uh, uh, Joe Alt at left tackle. That's uh, an important position. And they are your Aspen Mortgage key Irish players this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into the bowl game? Well, I mean, if it was only injuries, they would be in, in great shape. But with all, with without Hartman and Estime and Tyree and Flores and Alt and Fisher, I guess you could kind of throw them on a on a separate list. But Mitchell Evans is is really the only key guy. There were some injuries when we saw uh, practice in the second week of of, uh, of December, but none of them were the the key players. But it's it's the opt outs that uh, that will certainly impact Notre Dame's performance against Oregon State, but Oregon State has just as many and just as many key players. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous irishillustrated.com prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by six and a half points. What does America's foremost authority say? When you combine both offenses, there's like 16 opt-outs and or injuries. Uh, Everything points to a low-scoring game, and that's why the the over-under on this plummeted down to 41 and a half. Nordheim's a six and a half point favorite. I, I have to imagine that the defenses control this game a whole bunch of punt throughout the day in the in the, in Sun Bowl Stadium. I, I I just have to think it's low scoring, but I think Notre Dame has some success. And Notre Dame certainly has some running backs uh, that can run behind at least that interior offensive line. I like Notre Dame twenty four, Oregon State sixteen. Twenty four to sixteen in favor of the Irish. That is Tim Priester's world famous IrishIllustrated.com prediction. Tim, uh, we're looking at this fairly similarly. 
with the loss of so many players on both teams, it, it is hard to get a gauge on this one. But the Notre Dame defense, which has been outstanding all season long, is still going to put a formidable squad on that field. And I say that defense gives the Irish really a big edge in this game. Notre Dame 31, Oregon State 14. Thanks, Tim, for another great season, and we'll do it again next year. Yes, sir, we will. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.